Hello, everyone. Oh, yeah. This is Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, the Disrupt Meister. Welcome to the This Week in Bitcoin show. Today is June the 7th, 2019. The shirt says strong hand, long-term thinking. One Bitcoin equals one Bitcoin. Unconfiscatable. Bitcoin is the next Bitcoin. All right, guys. Don't FOMO on altcoins. We know JW doesn't FOMO on altcoins. And we know Boris doesn't either. So this is going to be, these guys could always, they have a lot to say always. So we only need two guests this week, baby, because it's going to be hardcore with two guys like this. So get ready to pound that like button with your strong hands. We're going to talk about what might be FUD, but what might not be FUD. And anyway, some country is going to do something like this. Anyway, one day, let's talk about India. The news is anybody in India dealing in cryptocurrencies will be sent to jail for 10 years, says a proposal in the draft of banning cryptocurrencies and regulations of official digital currency bill 2019. According to a report by Bloomberg Quint, the penalty is applicable to those who mine, generate, hold, sell, transfer, dispose, issue, or deal in cryptocurrencies directly or indirectly. There's like a billion people in India. That seems like a pretty harsh law. A guy from India actually sent me that link. There are people that saying it's not true now. The Indian government is saying it's not true now. Indian government is a tremendous bureaucracy. The left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing anyway. If it's true, if it's not true, one day we're going to have to deal with a major country doing something similar to this. Uh, what, what do you guys have to say about this? Uh, well, I, I can start. I mean, it's the whole idea is uh, so insane uh, that I'm actually kind of curious what's going to happen if they would really do it. I mean, what does this mean for Bitcoin? It's basically one big advertisement for uh, cryptocurrency and for Bitcoin in, in, in particular. I mean, you want to hold this, the strongest thing that's able to withstand these kind of attacks by the government. And this is going to be one big showcase of why people should have Bitcoin. And most people in India don't realize that yet. So a part of me is kind of curious, you know, I mean, so, I mean, I'm glad I'm not living in India under these circumstances, but I'm kind of curious what would happen. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we've seen stuff like this with China, right? Uh, so it's not like it's uh, completely theoretical that they might, uh, they might in enact some pretty harsh restrictions. What is interesting, like, we'll, we'll talk about this later with uh, uh, the, uh, the financial advisory or FATF or whatever. Um, but it's interesting that the Western countries seem to be way more uh, embracing and, and uh, gentle, in my view, with Bitcoin than I would have expected um, if the uh, if you know the countries that uh, like Iran and Russia continue to to not embrace it as intensely, or, or countries like India push away. It's it's definitely uh, it's it's a player, right? Like there, it has pros and cons for different uh, governments, and now it's being used as sort of a as sort of a chip, right? So it's interesting that it seems to be an advantage in the eyes of a lot of countries, and not an advantage in the eyes of other countries. I would have expected it to be seen as just evil in the eyes of all government leaders, right? But there does seem to be enough. Um, 
uh, enough desire for it in the U.S. and other countries, even among leadership uh, that don't seem to really care whether it destroys the USD or replaces the USD or not. Um, and maybe that's because we're we're getting to a point where the USD isn't going to hold up much longer and they kind of know that we need a plan B. Or uh, or maybe it's because they're more focused on the way that it will impact other countries that are, uh, you know, fighting with countries like the U.S. It's it's hard to say exactly how this all plays out, but it's, it's interesting that it is a, uh, you know, it's like it's on the world stage, but uh, but it's not universally vilified by government. So that's kind of surprising to me. I, I, I want to say, going back to what Boris said, it, this is a great advertisement. Someone someone put that out on Twitter, and then I didn't think about it. But then when he just said it, yeah, it's a great advertisement for Bitcoin. I hope it is true. I hope they I, I, well. I mean, I don't want the people of India to suffer and get arrested and sent to jail for 10 years or anything like that. But I hope this was a real proposal that some ludicrous bureaucrat in India's tremendous parliament came up with. And uh, and, and people are going to wonder, well, and then they'll say, well, it's not true. But then it, it'll still pique, pique, pique people's curiosity and be like, well, what is this magical thing that the, the government doesn't want me to have? Because again, they're not saying this about gold. Um, and India is already supposedly a lot of people are into gold there. They're not threatened by gold. I mean, again, if this is true, they're not as threatened by gold as much as they are by Bitcoin. And yeah, very interesting point that Western countries are seem to be more uh, and good for them. Let it, I, I hope everybody embraces it. I just I am logical. I know there will be <laughs> there will be some countries that that really actually try to arrest people uh, of uh, for having Bitcoin. But you know, J, JW actually brought up the uh, FATF, and we talked about it last week. And the guys that were on the show last week, they didn't seem too concerned about it. But Boris, you 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 want to elaborate on it a bit more? Yeah, the Financial Action Task Force. Basically, it's a political instrument. Uh, its chairman is American, but the whole organization is based in Paris. And what they do, they uh, make recommendations on um, uh, on money laundering laws, stuff like that. And basically, their recommendations for a lot of countries, they sign these agreements, and it's mandatory. Um, so when you hear stuff like Iran, it's being banned from the SWIFT uh, money transaction system. Uh, those kind of regulations uh, start at ATF, and what we were just talking about in India, I mean, I'm not, I don't know much about Indian politics, but you can be sure that people inside the FATF and inside of uh, Western governments are having the same discussion. I mean, they're not stupid enough to bring it forthright into the press like the Indians do, but it's the same stuff. Everybody is thinking about how can we regulate this monster that's coming at us. And uh, what FATF is doing, um, is that they're saying uh, basically every transaction uh, that's coming from an, uh, some kind of custodial uh, entity needs to be registered and uh, the counterparty needs to be registered as well. Uh, basically, that means if you buy some Bitcoin on an exchange and you want to send it out of the exchange, you need to register the address that you're sending it to as well. And uh, most countries that they're um, advising have already told them like that's it, it's practically impossible how are you going to do that the problem is i live in holland and uh, holland is a country where if you have a big corporation like ikea or starbucks or whatever or apple you're going to register in the netherlands because you can call up the, the, the dutch irs and make a deal with them and basically pay no taxes so uh, holland is is viewed upon as a country that's um, like very friendly to put it mildly towards uh, tax evasion 
And uh, Holland is going to be under an investigation by the FATF soon. And that's why Holland is now trying to be the, like the best kid in class uh, and, and go along with these regulations. So Dutch exchanges are actually quite worried about how this, this is going to take out. And to give you an example, there was an, um, uh, uh, an, an, another decision by the FATF, uh, which, which applies to uh, European banks. Um, and that happened in February. And what that means, uh, they, they enacted a, a, a law that's called PSD2. And it means that banks are um, obliged, or they actually, they're, uh, they're, they're mandatory, they have to share all customer data with external third parties uh, that also have a banking license. So Facebook and Google immediately have their banking license ready, uh, uh, waiting for uh, those European banks to share all that information because they have to. Um, and this is, it's, I mean, if you think about it, it's insane. It means that all my financial transactions are gonna end up at data, um, uh, yeah, companies that make money out of sharing data, selling data. And again, I mean, Facebook is is, is, is a key factor in this and these, this FATF, basically it's an extension of the American government right now. Um, and that means that it's an extension of, uh, yeah, big uh, corp American corporations like Facebook who are making money of data. This is a big problem. And uh, it, what it means in, in, in practice is that you're gonna have a, um, I mean, if, we, if we're not careful, we're gonna have a situation where you will have uh, a, these bitcoins that are registered and these bitcoins that are not registered and i mean we're all talking about fungibility but from a theft perspective we're, we're we're moving towards a situation where it could be feasible that certain bitcoins who have been mined early on or or for some reason not traceable they're worth more because they're not traceable um yeah this is something that could actually happen because of these rules Wow. Uh, well, <laughs> you do seem concerned about this. Uh, we, we need an answer to fungibility that where we, we, we wouldn't really have to worry about this, though. Uh, that, that would be nice. Uh, JW, what do, what do you think about this? Uh, yeah, you know, I, I feel like I live in this dark world where every time I get news, I'm like, oh, that's good news. And everybody else is like, oh, this is terrible news. I can't believe this is happening, right? So like a good parallel is what's going on with YouTube right now, right? Like the YouTube censorship. Everybody's like, oh my gosh, they're shutting down, you know, uh, all these conservatives in the US and that sort of thing. And I'm like, no, this is excellent. Like when Vox Media is freaking out and these places are freaking out, this is their death rattles, right? This is their last play for control of the media. It's over, it's done. And they're attacking YouTube, but YouTube isn't even the thing anymore. Like every all the all the kids have already moved on to BitTorrent, right? So it's like it, it's nothing but good news from my perspective to see these these old institutions dying. This FATF stuff seems like really good news to me too, because I live in the US and I know for a fact that if I've ever bought anything on any exchange, that stuff is in a database. It's been shared six ways from Sunday and it is just a ticking time bomb before all of that data is out, not just with companies like Facebook, but public, right? We're going to have another Equifax and it's gonna involve all of the exchanges um, and all of the central you know, repository data that the anti-money laundering task force or whatever in the US keeps all their stuff in. It's literally just a matter of time in my mind. So for me, 
Um, you know, I have screwed around and I've bought a little bit of Bitcoin here and there on registered exchanges. I fully expect that to, to just be absolutely public and in the hands of everybody uh, within the next 10, 15 years at most, right? That would be like very optimistic. So for me, them coming out and saying, hey, we're going to regulate exchanges around the world in a similar way to the way that we've registered US exchanges, it seems like good news because places like Russia haven't really made it possible to start businesses and feel like they're in the clear uh, because, you know, Russia's just been dragging their feet. So if they go along with this stuff, it's not good, but if I, I never had any hope that there would be a way to buy Bitcoins from a Fortune 500 company and have that be anonymous, right? Like that, that, was, never, that was never on the table. So I do think that uh, it's probably okay. I'm not really worried about the, the fact that they're going to record the stuff, right? Like all this stuff is already being recorded if you're in the US. And uh, I don't think that that means that we're going to end up with Bitcoins that have been bought and like tracked on an exchange. And then we have other ones and and there's somehow a huge market difference between the two. Um, but if there is, uh, you know, I, I'll probably be arbitraging those and uh, throwing them through Wasabi or something else, right? And turning the uh, turning the unregistered ones into uh, mixed up with registered ones and just destroy the whole the whole potential. So I'm not I'm not terribly worried about it. I actually see it as good news, um, and it seems like everything is headed in a really really positive direction uh, for Bitcoin adoption. The the other thing that I'll mention is that um, I'm really bullish on the whole stablecoin situation. I know we're going to get into that, but stablecoins on something like Liquid, where you can swap in and out of Bitcoin, that's nothing but a good thing. Um, and there is no way to enforce registration there, right? That's very peer-to-peer. -peer. Um, you're able to, to just do it, right? And, and there's nobody even to talk to to register with. So that's that's the long-term solution in my mind for onboarding people, not these, you know, these Bitcoin banks that are that are just uh, you know, they're they are what they are and they were always gonna suck. All right. Uh, Boris, do you need any any follow-up to that before we move on to Facebook coin? Yeah, there's another side to it, and that's that um, this is actually great news for, for big-time investors and, and funds and capital funds and investment funds. I mean, they're all they're, they're cheering like uh, like kids with every bit of regulation because it means that it's uh, safer for them to invest in something like Bitcoin. And um, actually, I think we'll see more of this stuff, and we'll also see the price rise, and it will be connected in some way. Um, and I mean, for me, I don't I completely agree with JW. I mean, of course, I mean, we know what Wasabi is. We know how to buy Bitcoin without getting uh, recorded in some form of database. Um, yeah, and, and the people that don't, that's, that sucks. But I mean, I guess that's part of the rabbit hole. You have to learn maybe the hard way. This will get more people to learn, I guess. Pound that like button. Well, let's talk about sharing information and stable coins and big corporations. Oh, yeah. Facebook coin was back in the news this week, so I want to cover it again and get get these guys' opinions. I know everybody wants to hear these dudes' opinions because uh, they can be pretty wild and sometimes. But let's let's let me read this uh, tweet from Hasu FL. While in most of history, local governments have issued money, many private producers will be able to compete in the future. Networks like Bitcoin are constructed from the ground up to resist while private firms like Facebook are effectively sovereign to nation states. With all that being said, um, I, I think this is the evolution of money that we're seeing right now, and it, it, private money. People, if Facebook comes out with their own private money, sure, it's not as good as Bitcoin, but it's not a government issuing uh, 
a, a, a money anymore. It's something different. It's getting people into the mindset of, wait a second, a government doesn't have to issue money. And I believe um, that when that it'll get more people into Bitcoin in the long run. So I've been, I've been taking the news. I've been very interested in the news and, and seeing how this develops, if they really issue their stable coin this month or not. Uh, JW, your thoughts on this? I know you haven't been keeping that close of attention to it, but... Yeah, it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of details out yet, but um, but assuming that it is a stable coin, in other words, it's it's really just a payment system, right? Like if they're going to have some combination of USD and euros, and uh, that's going to be in a coin, and you can move it around, and then presumably you know redeem it for euros or USD and have it deposited into your account, I think that's great. Um, Especially if it's uh, if it was on something, you know, if they end up doing something stupid like Ethereum, that's going to be unfortunate. But if they do do something like uh, Liquid or maybe RGB on Bitcoin, which would be very cool, um, and you can actually have you know a private key associated with this digital token, and you can move it around without identity and then cash it out, that would be incredible. That would be good for privacy. It's a hell of a lot better than what we have now, where. Um, every single one of my, you know, coffee purchases goes into a big database. And like I said, it's going into that big fat database for the financial task force, the anti-money laundering team or whatever, and it's all going to be dumped. Um, I'm sure Facebook is not going to be quite that good uh, since they seem to be about as anti-privacy as possible. It'll, it'll probably be more just like an entry in a database associated with your ID. But who knows? I mean, they're calling it a cryptocurrency. Maybe it'll be more like Kin, which we're going to talk about later as well. <laughs> Um, and if it is, that's, I mean, that's, it's better than a U.S. bank account. Well, so I, I people compared it to PayPal, that it'll be a direct competitor to PayPal, uh, you know, peer to peer, uh, you know, people sending money between each other and yeah, let it, let it be, uh, let it be a competitor to PayPal. I don't give a darn. I, 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 I want more people to get introduced to, to cryptocurrency. I mean, they're going to, they're going to be collecting information on everyone. I just assume it. They, and they're going to be following. They're going to try to make it as cool with the governments as possible. Uh, you know, they don't want to get in any more uh, regulation trouble. And still, still, I, I believe uh, it, it's better. It, it'll open people's mind because there's so many people on the planet that just think money has to be issued by a government—a euro or a dollar or whatever. Um, Boris, your thoughts on uh, Facebook coin? Yeah, actually, I think what they're trying to do. Is, uh, is sell their shareholders the idea that they can be the new WeChat. I mean, what we, what Tencent is doing in China with WeChat is absolutely amazing. I mean, from a technical perspective, you can use the WeChat app to buy your train tickets, tickets to check the traffic, to buy meals. It's basically you one go-to app for everything, including all your money stuff. I mean, from a privacy perspective, it's an absolute nightmare. <laughs> it's horrible. And uh, this makes perfect sense for Facebook to try something, to build something like that. I mean, Facebook, the Facebook platform, it's dying. I mean, we all know kids and millennials, they're like deleting their accounts. They're moving away from Facebook. But WhatsApp, on the other hand, is pretty popular. It's it's there's billions of people using it. Uh, they could easily add functionality to it and maybe build something like WeChat. And I'm sure shareholders will be really excited by it. The thing is, um, people say that privacy is dead. It's dying. People don't care about privacy. And I think that's actually changing. I mean, privacy is not that it's just a really hard concept to understand if you grow up in a world where the government is not uh, really trying to put you in a concentration camp or do terrible things to you or whatever i mean if you live in the, in the west basically privacy is something that's 
you, you, you're not really aware of it. And that's going to change. Um, and people moving away from Facebook are already realizing uh, what is going on. If this moves into the financial your financial world, if in your financial uh, environment, and Facebook starts to sell this data, and we get all these examples of what can happen happen when people are doxxed or information about what you have or what you bought or whatever is is, is out there, um, this might turn into Facebook's Waterloo. You know, I mean, people are going to move away big time. There's plenty of alternatives. Um, Facebook is trying to grab something, grab a hold of something better. They're trying to, um, how do you say that? They're trying to uh, uh, charge forward when they're, uh, uh, when, when they're on the defense. Um, yeah, they're losing customers and uh, Facebook is still really, really, really big, but they're, I mean, they're over the hill and what are they going to do? They're going to uh, like enter this financial world and it's, it's absolutely going to be their Waterloo. People are going to take charge of their financial responsibility. They're going to move into Bitcoin, uh, maybe not at first, but, but, but one step at a time. And Facebook is trying to keep up and they won't be able to do that. Uh, there will be horrible examples of people uh, losing their private information. Uh, horrible things will happen to them. And yeah, this is going to happen. I like, I like how you brought up, you compare it to WeChat and how WeChat, you could do everything with WeChat in China. And so that's very convenient. So I, I like your comparison that they're trying to be the WeChat. But what I think, I disagree with you a little bit about, about it being their Waterloo and people waking up to privacy. Some people are like, oh, wow, we'll be like, oh, this is so convenient. This is so convenient, this Facebook coin. I can do everything with it. I can buy everything with it. I think some people might just voluntarily jump into their matrix. I, I, because of convenience, I, I could see that happening. Yeah, maybe we we have these all these examples in the press of what ha what's happening in Shenzhen. You know, the social credit rating thing, yeah. and WeChat is always used as an example. So, uh, actually, I think in mainstream media, uh, China is being like painted like the bad guy. Um, maybe not completely rightfully so, but anyway, the the WeChat example in the social credit credit rating story is something that's being uh, paraded around. Like, oh, look what these Chinese are doing to their poor citizens. And actually, I think Facebook is going to be on the wrong side of the line when it comes to the comparison to what's going on here in the West. Well, okay, JW, any any uh, conclusionary thoughts on uh, Facebook corn or anything like that? The, the comments on uh, what Boris said. If you yeah, I, I actually think the end result is going to like be like what Kick Kick and Ken did, right? Um, in the end, I don't think they're actually going to launch anything. If I had to guess, I would say this is this is just going to end up being absolutely nothing. But um, but if they do launch it, and the more it looks like Bitcoin, the better, right? Because right now, bank accounts are a nightmare. Getting in and out of Bitcoin with bank accounts is really hard. If this makes that easier in any way, uh, I'm all for it. But I'm not optimistic they're actually going to deliver much. The regulation and all that stuff would be really bad. And I, I think Boris is right. I think this is signaling to uh, to the stock exchange more than it is actually delivering. But but we'll see. Um, well, they're going to have to deliver. I mean, they'll have to deliver something uh, with that. If they don't deliver, then their stock will go down. People will be very disappointed. What happened to Facebook coin? Um, I, I, I'm confident they'll deliver. I, I'm pretty confident. I, 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 I'm glad you, you had a good segue though for, for the kick. Let, let's talk. Let's talk. Let's let's talk about that uh, because this week. Um, the SEC sued an ICO, um, and I, that was called kick, right? Uh, because they didn't, I mean, they didn't deliver, right? That was the reason. So, I mean, I don't like ICOs ripping off people. Okay, I, I, I said this on yesterday's show. 
I think we all can agree. We don't like uh, when, when I see it rip people off, but people got to learn the hard way, you know, not to, not to give away their precious Bitcoin to these uh, centralized uh, entities. Uh, but the but the SEC is going is going around suing, and so some people are cheering the SEC on. I'm not I'm not going to cheer the SEC on. Um, I, I think people should learn the hard way. I think you know obviously what Kick did was ridiculous, and most of these ICOs are ridiculous. But I, I'm not going to be the person saying, well, because if we start cheering the SEC on, then we're inviting them to come regulate everything. Oh, we want you to be the arbiter of everything. We want. Oh, centralized authority. Tell us what is right. Tell us what is, is good, what is bad. Uh, so, JW, your thoughts on ICO, KIC, SEC? Yeah, actually, what the, it's kind of funny because I think the kick ICO may be the least scammy and the most legitimate of all of them. Uh, they 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 were a pretty substantial company. I think they had. I mean, I've gone back and looked at this and some of the the marketing stuff. Um, they they said that they were the largest social network among people like 14 years and younger. I think millions and millions of users. I mean, not not a small little you know not, not a um, you know. I don't know, all the goofy stuff, right? Like Stellar and all this stuff. There's like no users, no use case. Uh, huge social network among a, a pretty desirable age demographic, right? And uh, and the coin that they were going to launch actually had some use case, right? Like you could, similar to what we're talking about with Facebook, it wasn't gonna be a stable coin, so it wasn't gonna be backed by anything. But the idea is we have all these kids they like to play with points. We already did a pilot program with points. That's pretty legitimate compared to what all everybody else did, right? Like they actually ran something with, I don't know, kin points or something like that. And it had a lot of usage and a lot of excitement. And they thought, all right, we'll, we'll go ahead and roll this out and make it even bigger. Um, and we might as well raise some money while we're doing it, right? So they raised $100 million. That's a lot of money, but it's not that much money uh, in the ICO craze uh, end of things. And uh, so... All of that, I would say, is relatively legitimate and, and just about the best use case possible. But at the end of the day, the reason that they got in trouble was because it fell under securities law, right? Like we can say, oh, we don't want the SEC to enforce this stuff. Um, and I don't really want the SEC to exist at all. But there is a problem when the SEC runs around and they enforce security laws and they create this native population of people that are dumb and they've been protected from bad investments. They're only in, allowed to invest in certain bad investments, right, that are already, uh, you know, blessed by the government. And then all of a sudden they're able to invest in these really scammy coins, right? So they're set up for maximum damage in that way. Um, so I would rather the SEC not exist at all, but if they're going to enforce this sort of stuff, if, if at least it's predictable, that's probably better than if it's totally random. Um, so I, I, I kind of have mixed feelings about it on that front, but ultimately I'm happy because I am so sick of all these ICOs and all the scams. And now if Kick, who was way more legitimate than every, you know, everybody listening to this uh, podcast, I bet 30% of them have bought one of these stupid things. And they know that their stupid thing is stupider than kick and kin and kick and kin are going down because they're getting sued. So I think that's great. Get out of your crap coins, get into Bitcoin or, you know, the worst case scenario, at least get back into the US dollar or something like that. I'd, I'd, I'd suggest Bitcoin's probably a better call, but get out of all of, you know, if you're down 95% and you're waiting for alt season or, or whatever stupid justification, bite the bullet, be a man, know that you kicked yourself between the legs, but stop 
Don't keep doing it. If you hold it for another day, that's like you bought it yesterday. So sell the crap and get rid of it. Dude, I like how you, you pointed out the SEC, it's past enforcement. It's made everybody weak. Everyone's, you know, waiting around to, you know, we haven't learned on our own. It's uh, it's it's the padded uh, it's the padded uh, playground that they've created for us. And, and some people love that. Some people love to be protected like that. But they uh, uh, um, they become dumb and weak, and, and you know, not not able to tell what's a real investment and uh, what what they want. They need some uh, centralized organization to tell them what's good, what's bad. Uh, Boris, your 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 thoughts, SEC and. Uh, and ICOs. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, I'm not a big fan of government organizations like the SEC, but you got to give it to them. Uh, I mean, they are the reasons that they come up with to to charge the skin. It's spot on. I mean, I I really, really, really hated the ICO period, and um, the reason for that is that uh, all these all these ICOs they were they were basically selling. Um, uh, uh, less security and more, um, uh, uh, how, do, how do you call it, more uh, um, more speed or, or, or better uh, use cases. And they were selling it, uh, they had all these crazy stories, but in the end it was all speculative. I mean, the whole upside of all of these ideas was just your token or your coin is going to be worth more um, in the future than it is today. That's the reason why you should buy these tokens. Nobody cared. Nobody cared about what these ICOs were actually about. And uh, the IC, IC, uh, the, sorry, the SEC, is, is that's exactly what they said. Like, it's a security. People, they were selling the idea of, of a return on investment that's not based on anything. I mean, the whole functionality is not even there. And um, So, actually, I, I don't mind what the SEC is doing. I like it. Um, uh, I think we have to be aware that in the, uh, uh, I mean, this is what we, we see on the, on the websites, on Twitter, everybody's talking about this. Um, but behind this is a, I mean, there is an army of ICOs that are going bankrupt. The founders are disappearing. I mean, I have, my mailbox is filled with just in the Netherlands of companies that are going bankrupt. I mean, we had Blockport going bankrupt just two days ago, which was supposed to be the next big social exchange thing. They did a double digit million ICO and a year and a half later, they're bankrupt. I mean, you can imagine what happened there. Um, uh, same thing with, with a project called FollowCoin. I mean, I've talked to these guys once. It's an insane concept. They did an ICO and now they're just poof, they're gone. Nobody's answering their email anymore. I mean, it's not just these two examples. There is literally hundreds of these. So we had in 2017, we had the thousands of new tokens and coins and ICOs. And what we're seeing right now is that everybody is scrambling to get out of this because they're going to either go to jail or, uh, uh, I mean, there's going to be people who are very upset uh, upset about losing money going after them. And we, we have examples of that in the Netherlands as well, by the way. Some some criminals putting a drilling machine into some guy who did an ICO. Um, that stuff is going on. Absolutely. So I think, to be honest, what the SEC is doing is giving a great example of what all these ICOs are uh, uh, can expect in the future, in the near future, probably. And uh, to be honest, I'm kind of amused by it.
Now, I'm glad you brought up the Netherlands, by the way, because people later in the show, we're going to be talking about an event that's going on in Amsterdam this weekend. I guess it's brought a lot of crypto people over there. But we're going to you just reminded me of that. So I want to give everyone a preview. Now, I want to also read in the super chat, the having show sent 20 Norwegian Krona. Thank you. He says 50,303 blocks until the having strong hand. Dude, that's the way to think about it, man. Don't you know, we're talking about ICOs and ways to blow your money. You just keep it in one, keep it on your trezor and just wait it out to the having. Don't, don't be, be boring. Don't you, you don't have to fit in with all the altcoin crazies and stuff. And Roman Q had a question and we're going to save this question to the end because I think JW could probably talk about it, this for an hour or so. Would like to know if JW has identified any new legitimate attacks on Bitcoin since writing the threat model. If so, would love to hear him steal man, the most significant one. Uh, JW, just just keep that in mind for the end of the show there. That uh, right on. that question, because you probably could go on for uh, quite some time about threat. I, I think you probably have determined you've probably found lots of other threats since then. Um, now, I I want to bring up. We were talking about social media and uh, YouTube and and Facebook, and I think it was JW retweeted this one. The dissenter browser is going to solve the U. To demonetization problem. We will be able to overlay tipping super chat style content directly on top of YouTube in dissenters live chat feature. I bring this up because uh, I, I mean, I, I love to see alternatives. I love to, to see uh, people competing instead of complaining, but Gab is a huge fan of Bitcoin. So one assumes they're tipping super chat style. Uh, will it, it somehow involve a uh, Bitcoin? Uh, since you retweeted that, do you have any thoughts on that? Uh, on, on yeah, on? yeah. I, uh, one one more thing about the uh, the ICO thing, though. Oh, okay. If yeah. if you invested in Ethereum and you are down and you've gotten ripped off, file a complaint with the SEC. Those guys did an ICO just like everybody else. You might as well get in line to get a piece of whatever's left when the vultures come down on these altcoins, because um, many of them did ICOs just like that. Um, if you're holding Ethereum, I think you're an idiot. Um, you should sell it because it's it's just stupid. But if uh, if you've lost money on it, might as well fill out the paperwork because this is how it works, right? A year ago, two years ago, well, no, what? Ah, I'll say 16 months ago, I said this is exactly on schedule, right? These ICOs, they don't get in trouble when they raise the money. The, the SEC doesn't want to go after kick when they make an announcement and say, hey, we're going to raise $100 million. They want to let them raise the $100 million, and then they want to find them 12 or 24 months later when the complaints start coming in. That's just better for the SEC. There's more money to it's it's you can think of it as an extra dumb tax, right? So that's the way it works. Everything is perfectly on schedule. If you think that Ethereum or Ripple or any of these other things are completely immune to it because it hasn't happened yet, start looking at the timelines and realize that there's always a huge gap between the start of a Ponzi scheme and when the SEC shows up. So everything's on track for all these guys to go to jail or at least lose their shirts, including you if you invest in it. But you might as well be one of the early people to fill out the paperwork. And, uh, you know, you could get some uh, satisfaction in helping bring the thing down that screwed you over. So fill out the paperwork, complain to the SEC about uh, an investment that you made into a security that wasn't registered and be part of the solution.
You know, but before we move on to the gab thing, I want to bring up something that's weird in the chat right now. And it just shows that some people have completely no listening comprehension or they're, they're total spammers. I mean, there's a guy promoting a, a, an Ethereum token right now in the chat. I mean, how I, I mean, he's the guy been listening to the show. Grab a screenshot. Grab a screenshot of that and include it with your SEC complaint. It's perfect. <laughs> it's it's all right there for you. Uh, God, it's, that's crazy. A anyway, your thoughts on gab. Your thoughts yeah. on gab. So I, I I definitely think that they're going to be doing Bitcoin. Um, they have been really hardcore about not doing any other tokens. Uh, the CEO was, um, I think they were supporting Litecoin because it was super easy because it was unfortunately built into BTC Pay Server. And, uh, and then he tweeted out and said, all right, we just disabled that crap. We don't even want Litecoin, even though it's just a, it's a, it's a click of a button for us to accept Litecoin and enable that. We don't want to have anything to do with these crap coins. Uh, so he's been really, really hardcore uh, Bitcoin only guy, which has been really nice for a long time, right? He didn't just show up and start, start saying this stuff. Um, and uh, yeah, it makes perfect sense that uh, that they're, the solutions are going to have to be a little bit more resistant to you know some social justice warriors complaining um, or even governments, right? I mean, we see what's going on with YouTube. It's not a coincidence they're getting hit with antitrust. A lot of people think that antitrust is always filed against the monopoly that is actually increasing prices and doing stuff like that. That's not true. If you look at the history, uh, there's been some great books written on this. The only time antitrust is filed is when the old incumbents get pissed off that they're being crushed by the new competitor, right? So even you look at standard oil, really old example, the price of oil was dropping rapidly before that that uh, that that stuff got filed, right? Before the antitrust stuff, the cost of produ producing like uh, a news channel, right? Dropping rapidly and now YouTube's getting hit with it. Uh, the cost of software with Microsoft dropping rapidly, then Microsoft gets hit with it. So what we're seeing is, is, uh, is good news. It's a symptom of what happens when things actually get better. The old guys try to fight it. But what's really nice is that something like Gab, you just build software, you run it locally. And if it's Bitcoin to Bitcoin, there's nothing they can do about it. So you can get super chats, you can have the experience, but you can only have the experience if it's resistant to government intervention, which fortunately was the use case designed by Satoshi 10 years ago. So everything's coming together nicely. Well, yeah, I, again, I, I wish Gab good luck and anything that could bring main, uh, Bitcoin into more people's hands and alternatives to the current platforms. I'm, I'm open for it. I'm not into, you know, trying to tell Facebook and uh, YouTube what to do and be a social justice warrior complaining about every little thing. And let, let them be social justice warriors. They, they could do it. Let's have someone that's not a social justice warrior. I don't know. Uh, Boris, do you have anything to say about Gab or do you even know about that at all over there in uh yeah, Lovely. I mean, from, from the media perspective, I, I like what they're doing. I mean, I mean, uh, freedom of speech is their thing. Then the free speech money is going to be your thing as well. So that's why they're heavily into Bitcoin. I understand it completely. I mean, it's a marriage made in heaven, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, you know what? You, uh, when we were off air or actually over Twitter, you brought up the, uh, the term, the money of enemies. I think now would be a good time to. to yeah, to this is an idea I've been playing with, um, and actually, it's an it's it, the the adversarial mindset of Bitcoin is something that I heard JW talk about on a podcast once, and and it really inspired me to to give this a lot of thought. And what I've 
really find fascinating and again i completely agree with you adam that the whole story about the paul larue guy being satoshi the whole thing it's all bullshit it's all fud sorry i won't swear on your show but it's all fud and uh but there's one thing that resonates with me and it was the idea that uh bitcoin i mean we always think that bitcoin was created out of this academic mindset out of an i mean some some academic uh, group or person who, who really took the time to think about this build this but what if bitcoin was invented by someone who needed it right there and then for some reason and this really resonated with me i mean this 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 guy this uh, and i won't even mention his name anymore because he's absolutely not satoshi nakamoto but this guy grew up in Rhodesia, which turned into be Zimbabwe, which was one of the uh, the worst um, hyperinflations that at least I can remember. Um, so if you live through something like that, what is it going to? And and you you're a good programmer and you're able to build uh, high end cryptographical applications. What's that going to mean? I mean, if you if you grow up in Rhodesia and you 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 you're forced to move to South Africa because your government is turning evil, is destroying their money, and you need to have a solution for that right now. I mean, can you imagine in ten years time how many awesome Bitcoin developers will come out of Venezuela just because they're living through this right now. And the more I think about this, like, okay, we, we all know that Bitcoin really fits into this adversarial mindset and all the, the, the core developers and all the people who are outspoken are, I mean, they're the embodiment of this. I mean, I, I once heard the, uh, the, the, um, uh, the, the comparison, like, can you imagine a burglar standing in front of a, like a Bitcoin developer or someone like Jameson Lobb? I mean, I can imagine James uh, Jameson shooting him, you know, but can you imagine the same burglar standing in front of Vitalik Buterin? What would happen? <laughs> you know, he would probably come up with an idea or a program so that it won't happen the next time. And this whole idea, it fits into Bitcoin. So what if Bitcoin, the Bitcoin adversarial mindset was not something that was added later on, but was in there because someone who created it needed it right there and right then. And that was something that, that I find fascinating. Mm, yes, I, I I find that very fascinating too. JW, obviously you've got something to say about this. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was born out of the cypherpunk movement and uh, the cypherpunk movement has always been about um, individual freedom, privacy, and uh, ultimately a bunch of academics and intelligent people trying to find ways to fight the thugs, um, the thugs within government and the thugs outside of government. So uh, it makes sense that, that Bitcoin would uh, would work for that use case. Um, it's always been the holy grail, actually, of the cypherpunk movement um, to have, you know, some good electronic cash. So we have it now and uh, and things are, things are moving. Um, completely agree. We need more software developers, though, not just in Bitcoin, but uh, we need software developers building apps that compete with YouTube. We need more people working on the Decenter browser. We need more people building another version of a super chat app. Um, so if you have any interest in that or you know anybody that has interest in that, uh, hit me up on, you can hit me up on Twitter. I'll tell you exactly what to do. I tell everybody the same thing. Play all the levels on mathbot.com then go through free code camp and you're actually almost at the point where you can start contributing to stuff like mathbot.com at that point, which is a, a great, great way to come up to speed, right? You play a game, you go through some videos and then you make contributions to open source software and you'd be shocked at how many people are more than willing. People that could easily be college professors right now teaching computer science, but they're too good 
will take the time to help you learn to code if you just show up with minimal skills and you're willing to work on their project. So um, that is uh, that that's that's a good way to to get involved. Don't don't invest in crap coins. Uh, buy a little bit of Bitcoin and uh, invest in your own skill set, and you can you can help play a role in this revolution that's actually going to make the world a much better place. All right, Vention says you guys freaking rock. Thanks for the awesome show, Invention. Thank you for the the two dollar super chat. Well, uh, it's weird because there's an there's an altcoin out there with a uh, centralized leader who claims to be someone, and he's all about uh, being compliant with the government and uh, being regulatory uh, approved and and suing people. Uh, I don't know if uh, <laughs> if you guys had any any thoughts on that because that's uh, that's that's definitely not the adversarial uh, model uh, that we were just talking about there, and uh, yeah. that it just it, it baffles me that people think. I mean, again, people could do. This is where the big boys play. If people want to think that's Bitcoin. They can think that's Bitcoin, I guess. But um, there's just I am. I think every week people see that I am still like kind of in a shape, state of shock that. You know, there's a, a certain percentage of the population that just loves to follow uh, cult leaders. It's quite amazing. Uh, Boris or JW, any thoughts? Yeah, go ahead, JW. I mean, rip into it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, first of all, I think that um, I, I think there there is a parallel. There's all kinds of parallels, right? But the parallel that I'm thinking with uh, with some of these fake bitcoins and uh, fake satoshis. Um, is it reminds me of what's going on with Vox Media a little bit in the sense that you see these guys like lashing out, filing lawsuits, doing stuff like that. Um, and you, you might get the impression that they're operating from a position of strength, right? But the reality is that they're just running this scam that is in its death throes, right? It's just, it's bleeding out on the floor and it's spewing a little bit of blood across the room uh, and it's getting on people that don't want to have anything to do with it. And it, it seems like it matters, but it just doesn't. Like it never did matter, right? Like uh, Bcash, for example, like when it launched, the uh, the futures market told everybody, and I wasn't really paying attention that much, but I have gone back and looked at this stuff. Like the futures market made it really clear to everybody this was stupid, right? From day one, it was way under uh, 20%, I think, of, of Bitcoin. And that's when there was a huge marketing push and a bunch of effort. Now, I don't know, what is it? Is it 5%? But like yeah. the market is telling us very clearly that the stuff is stupid. Um, and uh, a lot of this stuff is just to try to get eyeballs, right? It's just to try to get us to get people like us just to say the word because they're that desperate that just saying the word, um, you know, whatever stupid scam coin, like me just saying Ripple right now, like people are like, oh yeah, great. We're going to get more attention for this Ripple coin. That's the best that they can do because it's that stupid. It's that pathetic and that irrelevant. You know, <laughs> there are a lot of altcoin fans who really love when you just say their name. <laughs> I get that a lot. You know, if I say a name of an altcoin, they're like, well, you must like it. No, I'm just, just mentioning it. Um, all right, Boris, I don't know if you got anything to say about these. Uh... Yeah, it's easy. I mean, it's a scam coin. These guys are scammers. Um, they are uh, uh, likely to work with the government uh, because they did something wrong and they know it. Uh, and it's not the first time. I mean, from the uh, from the uh, court case, we already know uh, that he was uh, working with the DEA. <laughs> And uh, well, now again, he's running to the government to get some form of approval uh, because he knows damn well that what he's doing is a scam and he's going to end up in jail for it. 
I mean, one day and uh, he, he's trying everything to avoid that. So yeah, you might as well try working with the government. Why not? I mean, from a technical perspective, his project is absolutely horrible. Um, uh, there's absolutely no decentralization when you start suing people. It's it's absolutely ridiculous. It's, it does nothing. And uh, like JW said, it's just, it, it, I mean, it's the laughing stock of, of, of altcoins. I mean, altcoins are bad, but this is, this is like the gutter of altcoins. It's really, really, really bad. I, I don't even think he's trying to work with the government, right? Like, I think that this is uh, uh, like daytime television soap opera sort of stuff, right? It's just really lowbrow, trashy marketing, trying to appeal to the dumbest people that may throw 50 bucks, right? I mean, it's it's not even like the, the infomercials on late night TV quality stuff. It's just so dumb and so bad. Um, and part of it is like the stupider it is, the more tempting it is for guys like us to talk about it. So they're not completely wrong, but it's just very low quality. Uh, uh, it is not, I mean, it's not a respectable, it, it's not an interesting attack on Bitcoin even. It's it's just, it's so um, irrelevant. Well, that, they've think, got Gigamax, man. They've got Gigamax. <laughs> I, I think that, that, that it's not interesting is maybe why the, the mainstream media and the crypto media kind of, they, they stick with it because it's this simple thing everyone can understand. Like, oh, I mean, we, we have a new fake Satoshi every year, it seems like. We got to have a story about, well, this guy could be Satoshi. This guy could be Satoshi. So it's a very easy thing to explain. Well, this guy could be Satoshi. It gets eyeballs when, when, you, when, you, can say like, when you can say something like that. So, I mean... Uh, why, why not jump on that train if, if it works, if it appeals to the 80 percenters, just, I guess, go for it, you know, be the latest fake Satoshi. Uh, but I mean, we, the people who've been in this space for a while, we, every year there's a new article about a new, why this criminal could be Satoshi, why this uh, guy in California could be Satoshi. It's just, uh, to me, it's so played out. I just, I can't understand why people really care that much anymore, but it is, it's a big deal for some people, <laughs> whatever. Um, this is where the big boys play. You're going to learn, again, if you, if you think you're buying Bitcoin and it's not Bitcoin, well, you, you'll learn the hard way. Bitcoin is the next Bitcoin. Pound that like button. Well, let's talk about, let's talk about Bitcoin. Let's talk about storage. And let's talk about the controversial JW Weatherman, because he's a controversial dude. He, he, he's got some tweets out there. Uh, and, and you know, it, you are an interesting character, JW. You really, there are some people who don't just, they vilify you. They really vilify. I mean, I, I like that you come on my show, you talk and everything and that you, you do have different opinions and you don't, you know, you don't just go with the, the crowd. Definitely. You, fitting in is overrated for you. And you, you talked about uh, the, the, the CASA uh, situation. And here's a tweet that uh, sums up some of the situation. This is pretty much my line of thinking. I, this is not your tweet. You, this is from Heavily Armed Clown. Uh, this is pretty much my line of thinking. I don't understand how a custody service that specializes in key management isn't always going to be a wider attack vector just by no, no, notoriety alone, not to mention the cost. So I am a guy who is just all about controlling your own private key. So when I see someone like JW kind of saying, well, what's up with, you know, these third parties controlling our private key? Is it worth it? And again, I know it's complex. It, it, it involves a lot of Bitcoin and sometimes corporations need other people to hold their, their private keys. I'm, I'm interested in something like this, but you, you were attacked uh, uh, for this. But so, so tell us what's going on, your, your thoughts on CASA and uh, key management. 
Yeah, there's a there, there's a really interesting herd effect that that I've seen over the last year uh, in Bitcoin, where if somebody's a good guy, then he's a good guy no matter what, right? And we just have to treat him like that, right? There's like this weird level of hero worship and that sort of stuff. So th that's definitely, I think, the underlying thing and the reason that I'm getting so much hate. If I was being critical of something that Coinbase did or a service that they provided that was identical, everybody would be like, oh, yeah, JW is the best. But because Jameson Lop is associated with Casa, it's like he can do no wrong. Um, my personal feelings with Jameson Lop are I, I don't think he's a good guy. Uh, my when I first met him and first got to know him, when he took the Bitcoin threat model and threw it on his site, got me a bunch of Twitter followers and said it was the most complete uh, security design document on Bitcoin to date, I thought, oh, this guy's a cool guy, right? Um, but then I was on WCN with him and he was trying to talk about and have a conversation about how whether Lightning is or is not an altcoin, right? And I thought, all right, you know what? I don't know if he's a good guy, but that was like a year ago, right? So I wasn't immediately like, oh, you know, this guy's evil. But then he's tweeting out about Grin, right? Grin is one of the most recent significant attacks on Bitcoin that have happened, right? To answer a little bit of the question uh, that we'll get to later. Um, Grin was a, it's a scam coin, but it was the most, you know, it took real technology, right? It took a real idea of Mimblewimble. And so it was one of the first uh, coins that actually did anything that wasn't completely stupid. So it was a legitimate like concern for a lot of people that it was going to have an impact on Bitcoin adoption. And uh, Jameson Lopp uh, quotes a dead man that is responsible for a lot of the work on Bitcoin in a really greasy way and says running grin, right? So at that point, I'm like, all right, this guy's an evil bastard, right? You're going to quote Hal Finney about running Bitcoin and you're going to quote it regarding an attack on Bitcoin. You're definitely in the you know evil son of a gun category now. But again, I still didn't really come out very hard against him. I unfollowed him. I said he was a bad guy. Uh, but that's that's sort of the overall context and the reason that there's so much emotion around this, because people are not looking at this stuff as like software and being objective. It's all about whether you're in the, the left tribe or the right tribe. Um, and it's unfortunate. That is a lot of the uh, talking points of some of the scam coiners, right? And uh, they're not wrong. Like there are a lot of people that are associated with Bitcoin that are just brain stems and they just have a tribe and that's all they got. And, and they'll do whatever for or against anybody that attacks their tribe. And it's really particularly particularly pathetic when they're, you know, playing with themselves in their mom's basement and they don't have any real friends because it's all a conversation on Twitter anyway. Like, come on, how, how do you really feel like Jameson Lop loves you, right? Um, but here, here's the criticism, right? The criticism is CASA is a service that sets you up with a multi-sig wallet of some kind. They have not been transparent and open about what they do, which is very concerning because other people need the opportunity to be critical. Um, so they've been fairly quiet about it. The little that I've known is that they hold one of the keys. So my criticism is, look, this doesn't make any sense, not just for CASA, but for any of these services to exist where they say, we're going to hold one third of the keys necessary to access your life savings. And everybody in the world knows that we're holding it. And then we're going to authenticate you to use it, right? So how do you authenticate? Like, let's just say that, that uh, Adam gives a key to CASA right? CASA holds that key. Well, now how do they know when they're supposed to use that key on Adam's behalf? That's an authentication problem. The irony is that the solution to that problem is called the key, right? Do you see how circular and stupid that is? You, you don't feel good about being able to hold on to your private key for Bitcoin. You might lose it. So you give them a key, but then they need you to have a key to authenticate yourself as Adam to get to that key. 
It's madness. So there's a multiple reasons that I think that it's a stupid idea. But if you do need to secure your Bitcoin, a three of five multi-sig is not a bad idea. I could absolutely imagine you putting one in a safety deposit box and one with an attorney. It's going to cost you a lot less than $10,000 a year for your attorney to hold on to a document. They do that basically for free all the time. They're very good at it. And they're not going to be a huge security attack, uh, a point of failure, right? People are not going to go, oh, I'm going to go after Price Waterhouse Coopers and go through all of their stuff and then find the Bitcoin keys, right? But people are going to attack Casa, right? Uh, they're they're a huge, obvious uh, as as a heavily armed clown pointed out uh, uh, focus of attack. So you get very little out of them holding your key. Now there's other stuff that they do, but again, I don't really have much data on that. One thing that I will say is that they say that they help in the setup process. They help you work this through and organize it. Two huge red flags with these guys. One is that they said that they do think it's a good idea for your lawyer or your CPA to hold your key, but many lawyers and CPAs they work with are only willing to do it because they know they get 24 seven support with CASA. That means two major problems. One is the accountant or the lawyer knows that they're holding a key. Why? That's stupid. You give them a sealed envelope that says open under death. You don't give them something that says, hey, here's access to a third of my life savings. This is a bad idea. And then on top of that, they have access to somebody that has another one of the keys. So now you have your accountant who has one of your Bitcoin keys calling CASA for support. Well, I hope that support technician doesn't realize they only need one more person. Maybe it's also the lawyer that calls CASA for support to access your entire life savings. So the little bit of information that's trickling out about how these guys operate, it's all bad news as far as I can tell, but they haven't been super transparent about it. And it is possible that their setup service is actually, you know, maybe there's good reasons for it, right? Maybe I'm, maybe I'm missing something. Um, but at the end of the day, don't let them hold one of your keys when there's cheaper and better options. And I, I do have concerns about the other stuff as well. Yeah. Um, again, you, you, br you bring up some legitimate points, especially the, the last one. I mean, if people understand what they're really doing here, they can find cheaper alternatives. But again, there there are corporations that that want a I mean, it looks good. I mean, they have a, they have a good sales pitch. They have a, a famous guy behind them and everything. And I think there, there's a there's a there's a comfortability level there. And to to each his own. Uh, again, well, I, I, to clarify real quick, my main criticism is for private key. Uh, yeah. is, is for individual personal stuff. If you're a business. I think that I still think it's a bad idea. If you can't trust the CEO, the CFO, and the head of your legal department, and you really think that it's a better idea to hand access to Jameson Lop and his $20 an hour support people, okay, you know, I mean, that's there, there might be a, a use case there. But if you're talking about individual key storage for you and your family, right, the, the keys that you own, the Bitcoin that you own, I just, I haven't seen any viable use case. And I've been going back and forth with CASA on Twitter. You can see the thread and they have not uh, directly refuted the idea that you're better off having your account with it. In fact, they said that that's the case, but they will be there to provide support. Again, you don't want your accountant or your lawyer to ever want to get support in accessing your Bitcoin. You want them to have it and hand it to you if you ask for it, or if you die and your wife asks for it. All right, JW and Boris are linked to below, of course. So please uh, check out their Twitter feeds. They, they are interesting places. Uh, Boris, I don't know if you have any comments on this or maybe in general comments about uh, controlling your own private key. No, absolutely. I mean, <clears throat> I think um, uh, 
the potential customer for um, uh, for for Casa is not necessarily uh, like like single persons like like us. Uh, it's absolutely for businesses. Um, I know that uh, 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 I talk to a lot of people who are starting f uh, investment funds, trying to hold Bitcoin, and they're all run into the same problem. Like, okay, how are you going to store this? And this thing is um, uh, it's such a big problem that is actually turning a lot of investors away. And when we get to see stories like uh, Quadrica CX, where, where the CEO uh, supposedly died in India uh, of some food poisoning or whatever, um, people get really, really scared. And um, uh, like JW is saying, like, okay, can you trust your own uh, uh, CFO? Can you trust people in your company with the company's Bitcoin or with the company's assets? Um, I think in some cases the answer will be yes, but if you look at all the theft of Bitcoin, especially at exchanges, uh, I think I wouldn't be surprised if more than half of them uh, are inside jobs. Uh, so even uh, companies that are specialized in handling cryptocurrencies like Binance or whatever, um, or Quadrica CX or whatever, they all run into the same problem. You have to trust somebody and that person is going to run off with all the Bitcoins. Um, the question is that you have to ask yourself, if you are a company, do I trust the people in my company more or less than I would trust uh, Jameson Lopp with uh, with Casa Hoddle? Uh, I know that Casa's business um, plan is all about storing uh, Bitcoin safely. Uh, and if something goes wrong, it will be disastrous for Casa. Uh, and if my company is, for instance, a media company that gets uh, a Bitcoin, uh, I'm pretty sure that the people in my company are not specialized in storing and guarding Bitcoin. So I would be probably uh, uh, more, uh, uh, you know, leaning towards trusting Casa than I would trust the people in my own company because they have a different job. So I Right, think but here, here's the problem though. I mean, just to go mm -hmm. back to the authentication issue. Let's say you, you don't trust your CFO to access your Bitcoin. So you give one of the keys to Casa. Yeah. Who gets to decide when the Bitcoin moves? The CFO. So then the CFO has to authenticate themselves to Casa to say it's time to move it. Now, maybe it's a combination. Maybe it's the CFO and the CEO and the comptroller, right? So you have a, a three people required to move the Bitcoin. Yes. In as much as Costa has any keys, they still have the problem of determining who you are and then giving you access because Costa is not running the business. They're not going to decide when to move the Bitcoin, right? Yeah. So you really haven't solved anything by that. Now, I will separate that out from the consulting service that they might be able to provide and helping you set up keys. Like I said, I've seen some major red flags, but the right way to go about this, right? If Costa is listening or anybody wants to set up a business like this, there is absolutely a role for security consultants. There's absolutely a role for people with expertise to sit down with the board and explain industry best practices on how to secure keys and who should have them. Um, there's a lot of opportunity there. And I think that if CASA had taken that approach, I would be a fan. If they said, hey, here is the ways that we're going about it. This is the ways that we're authenticating users. We're doing all of this stuff. They're not taking the roll your own crypto approach, right? They're taking sort of the open source, hey, we're not smart enough to, to, to check all this stuff. So we're gonna put it out there. And we're gonna have other people review it. Um, then industry best practices can evolve a lot faster and you're gonna find uh, flaws, but you're not going to end up in a case where those guys are holding keys, right? You don't want your security consultant to have a percentage control of your Bitcoin. Yeah. Whoever, whoever, look at it this way. In order to take all the money out of a company's bank account, there's more than one person that has to be involved in that. 
This is a very similar thing. Now, Bitcoin's worse. So maybe instead of having two or three people involved, you have seven people involved. But what that means is that you have seven people with seven keys, right? That are assigned to them and associated with them so that they can authenticate. And there's no reason to have this weird intermediary where you authenticate to a person that then authenticates to the Bitcoin network. Just help people set it up properly so that those seven people in the company can authenticate and move the Bitcoin when they need to. Yeah, no, absolutely. You're, you're right. There's always a better way to store them. And, and if you're, uh, I mean, if you're knowledgeable like you are, uh, it's much easier. But what I see around me is companies that are interested in handling Bitcoin. And it's mostly the the young 16-year-old uh, or 18-year-old intern who knows a lot about Bitcoin and is asked to... Um, uh, to to think about storage, and he comes up with like using a treasure in the in the safe of the company with all the money on it, and that's just a really bad idea. And so, as an uh, as an opposite to that, Casa could actually play a role. But I agree with you that uh, that I mean it's not an ideal situation. On the other hand, people have to learn. And um, uh, before Casa was there, we didn't have anything um, apart from holding your Bitcoin in some wallet or, or whatever. I mean, these smart contracts uh, or the, these multi-sig solutions are actually pretty good. And when you start thinking about multi-sig, um, you, you might be able to come up with better plans. And if you still want to reach a phone and call someone to help you out when everything is gone, uh, gone haywire, um, CASA would work out for you, I, I, I can imagine. If, if they provide support, they provide consulting, they could do a good job at that, but they're going to have to be a lot more transparent. But they should never have the keys. Yeah, no, I agree. You should always hold your own keys, absolutely. Yeah, well, again, people are used to banks. People are used to the old system. Even though they're getting into crypto, they still trust third parties. And that's uh, we're going to see a lot of third-party solutions, custodial stuff come out. If you can avoid that stuff, avoid that stuff. If, you, if you're an individual, control your own private key. If you're in some corporation, that's you're going to have to you're going to have to deal, I guess. So, uh, all right. Uh, well, we, we talk about that subject, that controversial subject matter. And again, a lot of people. I mean, I, I I let all subject matters be discussed on this show. We've had people that even like BSV on this on the show before. So I like I like to bring up a lot of things. JW gets a lot of hate his way, and you, he's not always right about everything. I'm not always right about everything, but uh, there's some people that just want to censor you, man. I don't I don't get it. There is a there, well, why do you think that? I mean. Yeah, no, I mean, I look, look, I think I've done a pretty good job. I think you have to, uh, you have to judge your effectiveness by your enemies, right? If I didn't have a little army of trolls that are spending a couple hours a day trying to keep me off of shows like this, running around to everybody and, you know, saying JW is a scammer, um, even though, you know, there's, there's uh, nothing but 100% evidence based on like that. Because there's that one channel that said that like has a public service announcement about you or something like that. People have told me I I wouldn't have even known about all this stuff had uh, a few people gone out of their way to you know, tell me. Some yeah, stuff. yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, look, I, I have a pretty good history of just being an honest guy over the last year, right? So um, there's guys like Ragnar that are going to go way out of their way, right? Guys like Jameson Lop that are going to go way out of their way because I call them on their crap, right? When Ragnar was promoting, I don't know if it was Ethereum or whatever on a podcast, I was the only person that said anything about it right um and he's part of uh you know these weird little tribes of people that sit in their basement and don't do anything so you collect those sort of weirdos over time but there's also the reality that if you are not if you don't have a certain number of pretty uh 
vociferous haters, then you just haven't done any real work, right? You haven't done anything along the lines of education, right? Um, so as I've helped people understand Bitcoin security more, as I've helped people understand that Monero is a scam and whatever the, I mean, a good teacher is going to go after the popular lie, right? Um, so if you look at the last year, year and a half that I've been involved, I've always been going after the popular lie, whether that's RSK, whether that's, uh, you know, a Bitcoin cash, it's not a popular lie, right? So you can go after stuff like that and everybody will pat you on the back. But if you point out that Monero is no better um, and why, you're going to collect a small group of little weirdos. And uh, over time, I, I think I've done pretty good. I think I may have the largest group of little weirdos uh, following me around the internet of anybody. So I, I wear that as a badge of honor. At this well, point. again, I think it is a badge of honor to have a uh... Uh, troll. I mean, I've got I've got my share of them and everything. But with you, it's it's very interesting because you've got there'll be guys that'll be like, don't have them on the show. But then I'll have people like, when's the next time JW is coming on? When's the next? You're polar. You're you're on either end of the spectrum. There, it's 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 very interesting. I just want to know if there was a specific thing you did that got you on the side on the bad side here because that you got you got kicked off. No, no, it's been it's been a combination. You have to go. I mean, there there's uh, I've collected them over time. Right. So Monero got me some haters uh, calling out Ragnar for promoting that call, got me some haters uh, calling out Jameson for grin calling out Casa right now. Uh, I think that's that, you know, in six months, I'll look back and I'll go, oh, those little freaks came from the Casa thing. Um, but these these people are completely irrelevant. Right? Like they don't do anything. They just run around. And the only reason they exist is that um, Twitter, they're, they're basically spammers, right? Like if it costs five cents to send a tweet or a quarter to have, you know, a conversation, these guys don't have any jobs. They don't have any income and uh, nobody really wants to hear what they have to say. So they, you know, they're just a result of uh, spam. Um, and as as we get Lightning Network and stuff, you know, micropayments, every time you hit the like button, you get a penny. And every time you tweet, it costs you five. Um, that sort of stuff will just make these people just fade back into their dungeons. Well, okay. I, I will stay, I will get away from the drama here for a second because I always tell people to ignore the uh, crypto drama. But people have had questions about JW. We got them on the show, so why don't I ask them some questions? We're gonna. Yeah, get so I mean, let me ask you: Have I? You, you've known me. I mean, I've been on the show uh, off and on for over a year. What What have I said? What scam did I run? No, uh, what fraud did I promote? So this is why I was surprised because. You know Anders. You you know Anders from oh, yeah. Anders is calling. So I have met Anders in person, and he's a normal guy, and he likes you. Yeah. So when I get a real person that I can look eye to eye with, tell me that you're a good guy. But then there's some people that are telling me, you know, be very. And some of the people that have said things about you, I do, I like and stuff. But then then some of your some of the treatment toward you when people are screaming at you like scammer, scammer, scammer. I don't get it. So actually, I'll tell you what I think was the pinnacle of where I collected the most haters. Um, it was when I called out Andreas Antonopoulos. Um, he is absolutely a scam coiner. Um, he has promoted <laughs> Ethereum, right? He wrote Mastering Ethereum, right? If somebody wrote Mastering Ripple, we'd be like, oh, he's a bad guy, right? But Ethereum, like the thing about the really bad guys, the ones that do the most damage is they know how to play the crowd and they know how to just compromise their integrity just enough to get maximize their revenue, right? And so he's done that very, very well. He remains one of the most popular people in Bitcoin. As of now, I don't know anybody else that's called him out other than me that, uh, you know, that, that does these sort of shows and does this sort of stuff. Um, and that got me a lot of, that got me a lot of rage. Um, but 
over time, I'll be vindicated with him just like I was vindicated with Jameson and all these other people uh, because I'm not, I have no motivation to, um, to say bad things about him other than the fact that he's slowing Bitcoin adoption and that's bad for my children. So over time, everybody will realize that, um, that it's pretty obvious. But then you just have brainstems, right? You have brainstems that they don't have higher order brain function and they've already decided that uh, Andreas is their little, uh, their little lord. And anybody that says anything bad about Andreas, even if Andreas is running around, you know, saying really oblique, weird things about Bitcoin Cash and things like that, um, they're just going to, you know, continue to worship at his feet. But, um, but that's okay because those people don't actually do anything, right? At the end of the day, uh, I'm building stuff and they're not building anything. When I'm dead, I'll have built several people and those people will have built several people and all of those people, including me, will have built a lot of things that make the world a slightly better place. And uh, these guys won't uh, do anything. Awesome. Can I add something to that? Please, please. We have this saying in Holland, and it's like high trees catch a lot of wind. <laughs> and whether it's JW catching a lot of wind from 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 Bitcoin community, or or maybe Andreas Antonopoulos catching a lot of wind from JW. I mean, I love this. This is what Bitcoin is all about. I mean, this whole Bitcoin toxicity discussion that we had a few weeks ago it annoyed the hell out of me because I everybody needs to say. Uh, uh, whatever they want to say, uh, you need to point at whatever you think is not right. And once you would not say something, I mean, JW, if you think Andreas Antonopoulos is making a crucial mistake writing uh, uh, the Ethereum book, you should say that. And when people have a problem with that, well, at least they're thinking about it. And uh, even within Bitcoin Maximalist, you have the, there's a lot of friends. They all go to the same conventions. They know each other. Um, and even if somebody knows Grin is not the, uh, is, is an actual altcoin, um, there might be another side to the story. I don't know it's, it, whether it's an altcoin or not, or whether it's an it, it's a scam. It, it could be. It might as well be. Uh, it might be just a test for uh, um uh, for the way that the government's going to react to a nimble wimble coin, we never know. But on the other hand, I think it should be said, and that's that's what I really like. I mean, I love people that are just out forthright and uh, speak their mind, um, even if it gets them in trouble. <laughs> we need more of that. Yeah, absolutely. I I can make a mistake, but if I say something, I believe it to be true at the time. And uh, you know, if there's if there's some little fruitcakes that get their feelings hurt over it. It's not going to slow me down. I always say fitting in is overrated, and you're you're living that life in this space. You don't try to fit in with the the, the various little clicks in, in the space. I, I will in, give you that. I, in, I will. in all fairness, though, to you guys, I'm also pseudonymous, right? I have a pen name, so there are there are there are these little weirdos that I've collected. And I did an episode on why I use a pen name probably six, nine months ago. It was one of the best decisions that I made. At the time, I thought, ah, you know, this is maybe, maybe more trouble than it's worth. But I have had people try to get a hold of documents that have my home address on it from companies that I've consulted with. Some of these little weirdos that don't seem like they matter at all, they have a lot of time on their hands. And they will do stuff that could make your life unpleasant if, they, if given the opportunity. So I don't want to make myself sound like too big of a martyr here. 
because I've done a fairly decent job with my OPSEC. People don't know who I am. I don't have to deal with, you know, uh, let's let's say worse than flaming bags of poo on the front porch, right? Um, and anybody else that's in this space that's as aggressive as I am, they probably would have already gotten to the point where they're like, ah, just let the scammer scam because there's uh, uh, there's there's too much personal cost involved. So I, I have a huge advantage there and I don't want to make it sound like uh, I'm being more self-sacrificial than I am. But the only reason I'm here is to learn and uh, part of the reason that uh, I'm able to learn is because I can just say what I think is true. Um, even if it's a company like Casa um, that I think is making bad decisions, I can say, hey, I think it's a bad decision. And if they have actually uh, you know, some, some good pushback, then I'll learn from it. Um, and I've done that uh, quite a bit. I've learned a lot over the last year. So I don't know why else uh, to be here other than that, but, um, but it, does, it does absolutely uh, have some costs associated with it. All righty. Well, we're going we're gonna to get away from this subject matter, but people were curious about it. So yeah, we had JW on the show. So the way we're going to conclude is uh, Boris will tell us about the events that are going on in Amsterdam today, uh, how, how Bitcoin is there. Yeah, it's breaking Bitcoin. Can I, can okay. I do a shout out to breaking Bitcoin? Um, it's, it's one of these old school, hardcore, uh, technical Bitcoin only uh, conferences. Uh, first time in Amsterdam, it's this Saturday, this Sunday. If you're in or near Amsterdam, I mean, I love what they're doing. You'll hear people like uh, Jimmy Song, Aaron van Weerdem, Max Hillebrand, I love them. Uh, but also some core developers, uh, Matt Corello is there, uh, among many, many others. Um, yeah, I got a ticket. I'm going to go there this weekend and uh, it looks awesome. It's going to be my first breaking Bitcoin, but I hear great stories. And uh, what I see on Twitter is uh, that people are already, already partying in Amsterdam. And when Bitcoiners are partying in Amsterdam, you know it's on. All right. Now, any, any thoughts about the, uh, the community in your country, uh, Holland, uh, Netherlands, all that stuff? You said it's a, it's a great place to... Uh, well, you, before when we were talking about the regulation, you said it's a great place to avoid regulation or something like that. People, uh, <laughs> I'm, not sure, I'm not sure I said that, but uh, no, actually, Holland is pretty regulated. But, but, uh, uh, you were saying look, something I, that, that people were doing something in Holland to avoid the fat and, and all that, you, that, that it would help. Uh, actually, big companies are uh, registering their headquarters in Holland. So to avoid taxes, I mean, yes, that's, that's, that's a well-known uh, secret. Yeah, no, that's going on. I mean, Bitcoiners don't profit from that, but uh, uh, Ikea does and Starbucks does and Apple uh, and everybody's got their headquarters here. Uh, now, actually, the, the thing is, what's interesting about that, we have, there's a lot of Dutch people in Bitcoin uh, and it's yes. been been like that from the beginning uh, i mean we're a country we're, we're a really small country we have some good education uh, there's a high fiber internet here and it's been here for a long time uh, so everybody's very internet minded um there's also it's a country of entrepreneurs so people understand bitcoin uh, i mean we invented the chula bubble so <laughs> well, that, that's probably resonated with us from the beginning but um no, I, actually, I think uh, we've had uh, multiple options of actually buying Bitcoin from a very, maybe from starting uh, 2012, we already had companies offering Bitcoin. Um, and when I hear uh, stories about uh, from Americans uh, about how hard it was, like uh, pre-circle days, how hard it was to get your hands on some Bitcoin, uh, it's insane. I mean, if you, if you live in the Netherlands, it's extremely easy. Uh, there's ATMs everywhere. There's companies who offer it everywhere. And yeah, regulation is tightening, but it wasn't as crazy uh, as, it, as, as, it, as it was in other countries. 
I will say this about the Netherlands, Bitcoin being popular. I mean, usually on YouTube and, and on my podcast and everything, it's like one of the top five countries watching my show, people from there. So, yeah, and there are a lot of guys from the Netherlands uh, in, in the space. It's it's great. So, yeah, I, I'm glad you're there. I'm glad everything's going well. And, yeah, I met you in person, too, before. That was great. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, Taiwan, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. So, JW is going to uh, close it out with uh, any new threats to the threat on, on the threat model. And again, I think this is why some people don't like JW also because he, some things he considers threats, people love. They think, well, how, how is that a threat? How You're very orthodox when it comes, you have Bitcoin orthodoxy uh, to you. Yeah, I mean, look, at the end of the day, uh, I understand enough economics to know that uh, this is a race uh, and that Bitcoin is a mission to create a secure global money, right? And so if there are things that are being created that are deceiving investors into not investing in Bitcoin when, when they would otherwise, that slows adoption of Bitcoin. Now, if these other things were secure and they actually were functional, then I would look at those things as even better than Bitcoin, right? But they're not, right? They're scams, they're frauds. They make a lot of statements, to, to be clear. They make a lot of false statements when they're trying to get people to buy them. And that is the definition of a scam or a fraud. So it's really not that complicated. Um, I'm just not on the take, right? Like I made money building software. I'm gonna continue to build software. I don't need a tribe because I have a family and, uh, and a, in real life uh, network of friends and family. Um, so I can just say what's true and uh, it makes it a lot easier to, uh, to navigate the space when you don't have all those attachments. So the latest threat, what's the latest threat? All right, so the, the last couple that I think were viable and interesting were Mimblewimble uh, inspired. Um, they're not Mimblewimble, right? Mimblewimble is a technology. Um, there were two altcoins that jumped off of that technology and created frauds. Uh, one of them was called Grin and the other one was called Beam. These are a few months ago. You guys uh, probably know about them already. Um, I'm just saying what they are because of, of the question. I think it's interesting that it's been a little while since we've seen anything, you know, a few months since we've seen anything that's interesting. Um, part of the reason that Grin was a viable attack on Bitcoin is that it had a legitimate claim to being more private and being uh, having a smaller blockchain because of this Mimblewimble technology. Now, what you have to do when you're looking at, is this an upgrade to Bitcoin, right? Because Bitcoin is this open source mission to create a secure money, or is it an attack on Bitcoin comes down to, is it viable, right? Could it actually be, uh, could, it, could it bring us a sound money, a secure money faster than the existing Bitcoin technology? If the answer is laughable, uh, but it is going to attract people to invest in it, which is going to slow down Bitcoin adoption, then it's an attack, right? It's, it's not that hard. So Grin was the biggest uh, recent one. Um, it's pretty much dead. I mean, it, it's around, but it, it, it failed to spend the right amount of money on marketing. Um, as far as I know, the most prominent promoter of it was Jameson Lopp. He pushed Grin you know, in a tweet that was um, probably the best marketing spend that those fraudsters uh, engaged in, uh, but it's dead now. So. That's the latest. Um, before that, we had uh, drive chains and uh, you know RSK. Um, those things are still around and they're still uh, gaining some momentum. Uh, just to clarify real quick, RSK is the sidechain concept. It's not bad right now because it's set up as a federation. Um, the federation partners are a little sketchy though. So the the something like Liquid is a federation um, where you it, think of it as a big multi-sig wallet, right? With a bunch of rules about how you can move Bitcoin around inside it and then you can take it out. Um, 
Liquid is set up really, really well. Um, and it has federation partners that are very legitimate, like companies that would be reasonable to trust with uh, a, a certain amount of Bitcoin or a certain amount of control over your Bitcoin. RSK, very shady companies that that have control. So you move Bitcoin over there, you're you're essentially trusting a con consortium of people, but these people are shady. So that's that's already important. But their long term plan is to get rid of that consortium, uh, that federation sort of setup, and they want to move to something called drive chains. The problem with the drive chains is that 51% of miners can take all the money. So you can think of it as a multi sig wallet, where if 51% of the miners want all your money, they have all your money. That is not like Bitcoin, right? The worst that 51% of miners can do is delay a transaction or maybe double spend a transaction if they do it just right. It's It'd be a pretty significant nuisance, but not that big of a deal. But if a lot of money gets moved over into RSK and they switch over to this, 51% of miners can drain that. That would be, that would be catastrophic. Um, so my plan there, if they ever make progress, is just to uh, try to help coordinate the withdrawal of those funds as early as possible so that it doesn't um, it doesn't get too big. So keep an eye out for that. If they do implement drive chains, uh, you'll be able to see how close we are to getting enough of the miners to uh, take all the money. All right, there's, there's people tune in. They wanna hear JW talk that talk. There it is. Okay, that's it, dudes. That is That is the end of the show. I told you, we only had two guys, but it went long. They had a lot to say. That's why we, we bring you the best guests in the space on this show. Controversy. Oh, yeah. So anyway, everyone, remember, this show, every Friday is the This Week in Bitcoin show. Um, you can watch all my old shows at disruptmeister.com. I do a new show here every day. The, the one Bitcoin show, Saturday is the Beyond Bitcoin show. That'll be Saturday night. Anyway, I'm Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, the Disrupt Meister. Subscribe to the channel. Pound that like button. Bang that bell button to get uh, a reminder when I go when I go live. Thanks a lot, guests, for being on the show. Shabbat shalom. I'll see you guys uh, Saturday night. Bye-bye. Thank you, Adam.